Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. The money pit is presented by Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you with your home projects. Whatever you need to get done to take your home from house to home to castle, we are here as your team. We're here to help you make the best decisions to get this done, to take the right steps, to get the right materials, to save you time, save you money, save you hassle, and make sure it all comes out good on the other side. We'd love to have you participate in that because this is a participation show. Call us right now with those questions. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Well, coming up on today's show, we are officially in the hottest part of the summer. And if you find that your lawn is having a hard time keeping up, turned a bit brown, good news is that's probably okay if you know how to protect it. We're going to tell you what you need to know to make it past the brown and back to the green just ahead. Plus, are cooling costs driving up your electric bills? We've got tips for low-cost to no-cost ways that you can keep your cool during these hot, hot, super ridiculously hot last few days of summer. Plus, if you'd like your home to feel open and airy but don't have the budget for a major remodel, we're going to have some smart tips to help you open up the space without emptying your bank account in the process. But first, we want to know what you want to know. What are you working on trying to get done before Labor Day, trying to get done before the fall weather hits us, which we're all going to be so thankful when it's not so stinking hot anymore. So whatever you are working on, let us know so we can help you get it done right. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Plus, if you do give us a call, we've got some tools to give away to one lucky listener. We've got a T50 staple gun and a T25X wire mate, both made by Arrow Fastener, worth about 50 bucks going out. So give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. Mary in Illinois is on the line with a painting question. How can we help you today? I want to uh, paint a fireplace. It's brick. And just want to know if there's a, if you can do that, first of all, if there's a certain kind of paint you need to use. Has it been painted before or is it? Natural brick. No, it's a natural brick, original brick. Well, you certainly can paint it, but I would think very carefully before you do this, because once you paint, you have to repaint eventually. And fireplaces tend to get very dirty and very smoky, and they're hard to keep clean. If it's just the color that you don't like, there may be some ways to sort of decorate around that color. But I would, would really hesitate to tell you to paint it. We get a lot of calls from folks that are not happy with painted fireplaces. They want to know how to do the exact opposite, which is get the paint off. And once you paint, it's just really hard to do that. Okay. I was kind of worried about whether it would peel or or when you say it just gets, you just have to keep repainting because of... Well, paint over time is going to crack and dry out, and it will get so dirty just from you know the exhaust and the use of the fireplace that you'll get sort of that 
that haze around the upper portion of it, regardless of what type of screen you have. Um, now, the other thing to keep in mind is that since this will be its first time being painted, the brick is so porous that you're going to put a lot of time into priming because it's just going to absorb all of that primer. And you want to get a good quality primer. You want to make sure that you brush in the grout lines, roll on the surfaces of the brick, brush again. So it's it's a lot of steps. It can be done. But as Tom said, if you want to take that paint off, it's now a chemical stripper. And because that brick is so porous, it's going to have sucked in all of that color. And so it'll never get back to that original brick look again. It'll have that sort of hue of whatever color it was. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Bob in Illinois is on the line and working on a kitchen makeover. What can we do for you? Well, we've got kitchen cabinets that are probably close to 30 years old, and we're wanting to remodel our kitchen, and I'm wanting to strip them down, and I was just wondering what was the best way, what to use to do it with. Well, the good news is that 30-year-old cabinets are usually very, very well built. You know, you can't really strip down a 10-year-old cabinet because <laughs> they pretty much fall apart. But if it's a 30-year-old plywood cabinet, you can definitely strip it. Now, what do you want to do after you strip it? Do you want to paint it, or do you want to go with a like a, a clear coating? I'd like to go with a clear coating on it, maybe put a, a calm finish on it or something. And what's on there now? Are they just stained, or are they painted? No, they're, they're just stained. Um, it's hard to change the color of a stained cabinet. I'm just telling you. Just be, be, be prepared for that. But what you might want to do is use a good quality stripper, like uh, Rock Miracle, for example, is a good one. Yeah, you know, another thing that's good to do is um, head over to your local, like, mom-and-pop paint shop because sometimes there are newer products that are out there. You know, I was just getting some wallpaper paste, but in that section there were some really nice paint strippers. Um, They apply a little differently. They go on more easily. They work more quickly. So I always just pop into the shop to sort of see what they've got in there that they've worked with. But Tom and I have both used Rock Miracle, and I like that because it goes on more like a paste, so you can really see where it is. You can see it start to work. You know, and I guess it depends on how much stain is on there, how dirty they are. I would start by giving them a good cleaning, then make sure they're dried very well, then put the stripper on them, follow the directions, and you're going to want to use a wire brush and a paint scraper, and that's going to get that finish off of there. Now, it's important to work on them on a flat surface, so take all the doors and drawer fronts off, label them as you take them down with, you know, a piece of tape on the backside of the cabinet door and one on the cabinet box itself so that you know exactly where things go. I'd leave the hinges on the box side so that you can have the doors flat. You know, these are things that are just tricks of the trade that will help you be more successful. And if your doors are full overlay, are they or are they not? Are they what now? Do When your cabinet door closes, do you see any of the cabinet box around it, like a frame, or d- does the door cover it? Yeah, it does well, it it, it uh, flushes up against the frame of the cabinet. So that's, you know, a blessing and a curse, because then you can ignore the box, or you can also work on the box while it's in place to strip that down as well. And in that case, the Rock Miracle is really good because it's really, like, thick, so it'll stay on in a vertical position as well. So, you, you know, those are some good things, and you may have to apply it more than once depending on how well adhered your stain currently is. I mean, you really got to see. And then keep in mind... That depending on the species of wood, the type of color that you might get from the stain that you've selected to go on there might be a little different. So you might want to work on a backside or a smaller area just so you can see how it will react and what color you'll actually end up with. Thank you, then. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
Now we're heading over to Nebraska where Dan's on the line with a mold situation. What's going on? So I put up a pole building three years ago, and uh, it's uh, 48 by 36 and 10-foot uh, side walls. And I finished off about 700 square feet on the inside, and she rocked it, put R30 in the ceiling, R19 on the walls, and it's got a four-inch slab concrete base to it. And this spring, I went out there, and I had mold all over everything, mm-hmm. and I don't know what's causing that. I uh, The first two years, I never had a bit of problem. Well, it's been a very wet year. Now, you have no heat in this building, I presume? I heat the bathroom, uh, which is about 8 by 10 during the winter here in Nebraska, and the rest I don't heat. Well, look, mold needs three things to survive. It needs moisture, it needs air, and it needs food. And all of those things are available in that pole building. Your walls are made of drywall, I presume? Uh, Yes, sir. Sheetrock. Yeah. Right, drywall, yeah. So the paper face on that is terrific mold food. And you have moisture there, you have plenty of air, and you're not heating it, so the humidity is always pretty high, and that's why you're growing mold. So you need to at least ventilate that building if you're not going to heat it to keep moving the air through it so it doesn't, the humidity doesn't come, become quite as high. But at this point, if you've got all that mold, that has to be treated. Yeah, and I've done that. I've gotten that all out of there. Uh, right now, but I, I and I put a dehumidifier in there just okay, to. Uh, okay, well that'll help. You know, and it took me like two and a half days, and I got it down to like thirty percent, so it, it came right down. Do I need to seal the floor, the concrete floor, in there? Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily the cause of the problem. I don't think it's a bad idea to to seal the floor. But I think that this is just a condition of the fact that you've got a, a damp building there with no central heating system, with plenty of drywall, plenty of moisture, and plenty of air. So it, just because of the conditions, the mold's going to grow. Now, there there were other ways that you could have constructed these walls. For example, there's a, there's a product called Dens Armor, which is a fiberglass-faced drywall that's specifically designed not to grow mold because it's not organic. But with paper face... Uh, in an unheating building like that, I'm not surprised that it grew. That 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 it grew. Well, I am surprised it took two years, but it might just be that it was just so moist uh, this last year that it really took off. Uh, how do I uh, how do I go ahead and vent that building? Well, what I would do is I would probably have a, a fan in there that was based on the humidistat. So when the humidity got really high, that it would kick on and and draw air uh, out of that building, kind of like having an attic fan but on a humidistat instead of a thermostat. Right, that plus the plus the dehumidifier should help you keep the moisture to a minimum. But keep an eye out for mold because you know, it, once it gets started, then it really can take off quickly. And it sounds like that's what happened in this case. So if you catch it sooner than later, you're going to be much better off. Yes, I, I want to try to eliminate it completely. So uh, I'll try that. Uh... All right, and when you do find the mold, when it gets there, you make sure you treat it properly so that you kill the mold spores. Don't just try to scrub it off because. It'll come right back. you got to treat it to kill the mold spores, then clean off the rest. All right, Dan, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
What are you working on this warm summer weekend? If it's in your house, you're in the right place. Give us a call with your questions at 888-MONEY-PIT. If you do, we'll give you the answer to your home improvement question. Plus, we're going to give you the chance to win a great set of tools from our friends at Arrow Fastener. That's right. We've got up for grabs the Arrow T25X WireMate and Arrow T50 Heavy-Duty Staple Gun plus staples. I mean, the T50 is America's best-selling staple gun, and you will have this tool for pretty much your entire lifetime and then anybody else's lifetime that you'd love to give it to them. They're so well made and these are two of the handiest tools I think to have sort of at your home because you'll find tons of projects whether they're creating something from scratch or repairing something that you'll be able to use these for. And if you head on over to arrow.com there's a whole project section there where you can look up a ton of different things that you can be doing with your arrow tools. So just a really great resource anyway but we've got some tools up for grabs. You know one of the projects I was looking at this week is they've got the step-by-step on how to do a home movie screen for those backyard screenings. Oh, that's so great. Very fun. So check that out at arrowfastener.com. Click on projects. We've got Rebecca from Kansas on the line. What can we do for you today? We have a room that has the old wood paneling in it with the grooves and such, but would really like to not remove it. But is there some way we can get the drywall look without putting up drywall with uh, putting on mud by hand or splattering it and kind of doing a knockdown or would it stick or what do we need to do? Well, I feel like whatever you put on top of it, whether you fill it with mud or you use something to make the grooves go away and then try to smooth out the surface, you're going to get so much movement from the walls just in general not that your house is moving, but you know, it does and it gets a lot of movement just from people walking by that none of that's going to stick in there and it's going to end up falling off and looking weird and you're going to have to do it again. So my suggestion is either embrace the paneling look as far as the grooves and paint it to give it a different effect or put like a half-inch drywall over it. Uh, If you painted it, would you have to put some kind of a primer so it'll stick or would you need to do a light sand on it? Or Yes and yes. (laughs) (laughs) You want to make sure that the surface is clean, obviously. Mm -hmm. So if there's anything, you know, sticky or gross on it, you want to give it a good cleaning, you can use something like TSP, which is trisodium phosphate. And that's like a good wall prep product. Or you can give it a light sanding. But if you give it a nice, if there's a sheen to it, you may want to give it a light sanding, but not necessarily. And then I would use a really good heavy-duty primer, something perhaps like a bin or a zinzer, something that's, you know, hardcore that's going to stick to anything. And then let that dry. And once that's done, you can go ahead and put a latex top coat on it. Okay. If we elected to do the half-inch drywall, we'd just treat it like a normal drywall, uh, tape it, put the mud on and sand it and painted. Absolutely. The only thing to consider is that any electrical outlets, your boxes, things like that are going to have to be pulled out a little bit. Oh, we're going to have to bring them out. Yeah. Trim as well. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99 percent of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. 
That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Well, if you've ever watched your lawn fade from luscious green to sort of a wheat field brown during these warm days, you might feel like there's nothing that you can do to stop the destruction, but that brown grass does not automatically mean your lawn is dead. It more likely means your lawn is dormant, and if you take a few steps, or more importantly, don't take a few steps, it will come back very quickly. Yeah, I think this one people would be like, what? We're telling you not to mow the lawn so much, guys. Definitely cut back on the mowing because that's going to help your summer grass survive. You know, it's best to keep the grass a little bit longer in the height of the summer heat. Cutting it too much can actually cause that grass to lose more moisture from the cut tips. Now, if your lawn is healthy, you can allow your grass to go into a semi-dormant state by cutting back on the watering and then not worry so much that it won't come back to green in the cooler weather. You know, one thing I've learned about, about the height of, of the lawn is that the taller lawns actually create shade for the base of the plant. So if you cut it down to where you're seeing the dirt, you have no more shade, and therefore it uh, has a much greater chance of being completely dried out and could die. Now, if you're not facing water restrictions, you want to remember to water very early in the morning, give that lawn a chance to dry. That's going to discourage any problems with bugs and diseases. For more tips on summer lawn survival, read our post, Seven Tips for Healthy Lawns in Hot Summers. It's on moneypit.com. Peter in Alaska, you've got the money pit. How can we help you? Well, I'm having trouble with my soil stack. 
uh, my house, the vent, the main vent going out in the wintertime, it freezes solid. And I don't know what to do about it. Let's see. Tell me about the structure of your house. So the soil vent goes from your bathroom up through your attic into uh, through the roof and out? Correct. And it's a two-story house. It's very well insulated. I have uh, R32 walls and R83 ceiling. And uh, I have double walls in my house. And uh, the, the attic is vented along the ridge, and it also has gable vents. The uh, and, and is it freezing over it across the top of the vent? No, it, it's down a little bit. And my vent is up high. I got it about four feet down from the peak of the roof, and it stands about four foot up from the roof. I wonder if you were to insulate that soil pipe, whether it would be warm enough to prevent... Uh, the freezing from forming down deep in it. If you were to insulate it right up to the point where it exits the roof. I thought about that. I did that for our vent that's over the stove because I thought of the heat going up through there might condensate with the cold metal. So I did insulate that. So I was thinking maybe that would work. I don't know. Yeah, I would, you know, that's a really easy thing to do. I I would definitely think about giving that a shot because, you know, the the moisture that's getting out there is, is, uh, you know, obviously a lot of water vapor. And if we can keep that pipe from freezing, the less chance you're going to have to get that ice build up. And then probably what happens is you get gurgly pipes because you're not getting any air out of it. Things don't flush right and all that. Exactly. Yeah, we're concerned about it. And and everything's heated. You know, our toilets are heat, hot water. I would try that. I would insulate it. It's a very easy thing to do, and you've already got a terrifically insulated house, so why not just extend it up the other side of the roof? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. I'll try that. Valerie in Washington is on the line and has a question about outdoor decor. What's going on? I have uh, a simple railing on my front porch, and it's cedar. Part of it's stained uh, to keep uh, it from deteriorating, so it's orange-colored, and the rest is just naturally aged cedar, silvery, and I want it to be white to match the rest of my trim. So there's two different colors, and do I do an undercoat, a primer, and is it oil-based? And can I get a stain, a pure white stain for it? So you probably can. Well, what I would suggest is a, is a two-fold approach. I would prime it first, and then I would use a solid color stain, because I think that will give you the sort of more natural look that you seem to be looking for. But you should prime it and then apply the solid color stain. Now, because this is uh, off-color orange, as you describe it, if you don't prime it, you may get some of that that comes through. That's why I want you to prime it first. You'd use an exterior-grade primer, and you'd use a solid color stain. If you buy both the primer and the stain from the same manufacturer, you can be sure that they'll work well together. Okay, does it matter if it's oil-based or not? I would probably recommend an oil-based primer only because you're going to get better coverage over that darker color. But in terms of the stain itself, that could be latex-based. Oh, okay, then. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, and I enjoy your program. Well, thank you very much. 888-666-3974. Well, if you've been feeling your AC is running overtime and your house just isn't getting as cool and comfortable as it could, you may be right, because right now there's a lot of things that happen in terms of wasting energy. And you don't sense it because it's wasted cooling energy. In the winter, you know, we always feel like we're wasting energy when you feel drafts through the winter, but through the windows. But in the summer, you just run that AC 24-7. You don't really see that as a big waste, and it really is. Just take a peek at this month's electric bill, if you don't believe me. (laughs) Now, there are a few things that you 
you can do to not only cool off more quickly, but cut those costs as well. Now, to keep the heat out, here's some things you can do. You can increase your attic insulation. You can use drapes and blinds on the windows that get a lot of sun in. And you can consider upgrading your roofing and your windows. Now, you can also keep the cool in. And to do that, you need to seal and insulate those cooling ducts in the attic and seal gaps, cracks, any leaks that you find around your home. Also, keep your cooling system efficient by properly maintaining it every year and close off vents in any unused rooms. And finally, why not add a ceiling fan here and there to help keep that cool moving around the space. Yeah, and make sure the ceiling fan is pointed in the right direction because they're all reversible. There's a little switch on the side. And in the summer, you want them to pull cold air up. And in the winter, you want them to push warm air down. If you want some more ways to stay cool and save energy, go to energystar.gov. They've got great tips and advice on how to do just that. All right, now we've got Randy from Maryland on the line with a decking question. How can we help you today? I just put a brand new deck on the back of my house. The house was actually built in 1988, so it's good and settled. I just wonder how soon I could treat it. I've heard, you know, two months, three months. I've heard a full season. I don't want to wait too long, but I don't want to do it too early. Randy, what's the material the deck is made out of? Is it pressure-treated lumber or cedar or redwood what? Yeah, it's pressure-treated lumber. Okay. So uh, what I would do uh, at this point is I would wait until next spring. Let it be exposed to the environment for a while. It is true that the lumber, when it first goes in, is uh, very moist. And my waiting... uh, uh, maybe six months in your case, uh, you're going to find that it's going to uh, dry out a bit and it'll be ready to sort of take a stain better than taking it right now. So I would certainly let it sit for a while and then stain it uh, before uh, before next summer when it gets, uh, you know, sort of cool and dry out. And then in terms of the stain itself, I would recommend that you uh, choose a solid color stain. It will still show the grain through, but it'll have more pigment in it and it'll last longer. Does that help you out? I think so. So basically you say wait a full season then? Yeah, I would wait a full season and then I would stain it after that. Okay. Thanks, Randy. I hope that helps you out. We appreciate you calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. And if you do give us a call, we've got some tools to give away to one lucky listener. We've got the Arrow T25X Wiremate and the Arrow T50 Heavy Duty Staple Guns. Both great tools to have on hand for dozens and dozens of projects. That T50 is America's best-selling staple gun. Uh, it's been around for generations. I know that I proudly use the T50 that was my father's. And it just the thing just keeps going and going. It doesn't wear out. It's very, very dependable. So we've got one of those and the Wiremate to give away to one lucky caller. Plus, Staples. So give us a call right now. Make that you. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. Tammy in Arkansas is on the line and is having an issue with the bricks on her home. What's going on? Okay, I've got a home that sits on a concrete slab. They're made out of the cinder blocks, and the cracks is beginning to crack on the outside and the inside. And somebody told me to use concrete with it. And I'm wanting to do it myself. So what do I need to do to seal those cracks? Yeah, you you don't want to use concrete because concrete is not going to fill cracks very well. Are we talking about sort of hairline or fairly thin cracks here, Tammy? Well, maybe a half an inch. They're kind of separating there, but they're separating in the seams of the block. But you really think it's a full half inch? That's an awfully big crack. Well, you can put your finger up to it. It's pretty big. You can see on the outside and you can see on the inside. Okay, well, listen, if you're getting that kind of movement in the wall, you need to have this looked at by an expert. I would have a professional home inspector or a structural engineer look at it because that's a huge crack 
in the building. A half-inch crack is really big if it's pulling apart. That means that the house is sliding apart at that wall or settling on one end of the building, causing that to crack. And I'd like to know why that's happening. Are those cracks new, or have they always been there? No, 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 no. They just started because the place was built in 1969. You've got to get to the bottom of it, Tammy, because something's wrong with the house. Uh, for those cracks to occur like that. Now you're not talking about you're not talking about mortar that fell out, are you? You're talking about a physical crack, so all the mortar's still there. It's just separated. It's just separating. Is all it is. The mortar's still there. Yeah, I would. Here's what I would do, Tammy. I would go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors. It's ashi a s h i dot org. Find a certified home inspector in your area, or have a structural engineer look at it, get their recommendations, and then you can take it from there. If the cracks are that big. I want to stop the building from moving before we begin to think about sealing them up, okay? Okay. Okay, I sure appreciate it. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, while older homes have charm and character, the thing that they often lack is an open floor plan and some things that more and more modern families are looking for. So the good news here, guys, is that you don't have to stick with the layout that's offered in your older home. Now, one way to create an open feel in a very closed-in space is to build a pass-through between rooms. It's not a DIY first-time project. It involves a lot of knowledge and a lot of tools. But start with the most important thing first. Determine if the wall can be opened up by figuring out if it's a load-bearing wall. Now, if possible, go to a floor below, perhaps into a basement or crawl space, and look at how the floor joists are running. They're either going to be parallel or perpendicular to the wall. If they're perpendicular, that wall may be load-bearing, so you need to get an expert to help if you're not sure. If the wall is load-bearing, you can still add a pass-through, but i got to tell you that the level of complexity goes up because you have to support the weight that's on top of that wall before you reconfigure what's below. Yeah, so maybe best left to the pros. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now, if the wall is not load-bearing, you can cut out a pass-through, but before you do go all in, it's smart to do some exploratory surgery first. You know, you got to see what's going a little on. little wall this surgery, walls. see what's there. Yeah. So first, you want to figure out where this pass-through is going to be and trace a template so that you can see exactly where it's going. Now, try and line up the template so that the left or right side starts on a stud. Now, this is going to make that framing a lot easier. If you've got a room and can lay this out so it's in between the studs, it's even better because you're not going to have to frame anything around that opening. Next, you got to make sure that you turn off all electrical circuits on that wall and then go ahead and use a reciprocating saw cutting only through the thickness of the wall board. So you're not going into the studs just yet. You want to get the drywall off in the shape of your pass-through. Does that make sense? Yeah, and the reason you do that is because it's really hard to patch a small section of drywall. It really always shows. So what I try to do is only cut away the drywall I absolutely have to and sort of work within that open area to kind of frame in around it. It's totally possible to do that, uh, and this way you're not doing a lot of patching. Now, once you see the inside, it's a lot easier to double-check that, of course, it's not load-bearing and that you don't have wiring in the way. And then once you frame it all out, put a little sill there, you're going to find that that kind of a thing just really opens up the room. And uh, if you happen to extend it so it overhangs one side, you can even have room to pull up, you know, like a little bar stool or something and have a little breakfast area. So it's a really good way to open up a space and provide that sort of visual distance so you're seeing right through the wall and it really makes the whole thing feel that much bigger. Patrick in Wyoming's on the line with a question about cracking drywall. Tell us what's going on. I have a recurring problem with cracks in the walls and I've stackled them four or five times and I spread the 
spray rubber sealing over them, and they just keep returning. And when you're talking about cracks on the wall, do you mean like by the door, by trim work, by windows, or like smack in the middle of the wall? Uh, both. I have, I have one by a front door that keeps reoccurring, and then I have one in a, a, a stairs, going down a set of stairs. Well, by the stairs is pretty typical because you get a lot of movement. Well, and, and the front and door, doors, too. Yeah, a lot of movement in that space. So I, I think he's just not fixing it right, Leslie. Well, and the issue is, Patrick, whatever you do to fix them, it's not a once-and-for-all thing because you're dealing with movement that continually over time could eventually lead to whatever you've used to fix that crack to dry out. So there's got to be a way to fix it. Yeah, the hardware store sold me this uh, rubber spray compound that's supposed to flex and give with the wall, and it, it doesn't seem to work. I just wondered, what's the best solution, paneling? No, I mean, I, I've never used a rubber spray compound, but what I have done in areas where I have a crack or any sort of seaming, instead of using a paper tape like you would do when you're putting two sheets of drywall together, I use a fiberglass tape, and it looks almost like a sticky mesh. And you use that to go over your crack, and then you put the compound over it, and feather it out, you know, try to make it smooth, and then let it dry and sand it. And you do a couple of applications of that, allowing it to super dry, sand it smooth, add another layer. And that does the trick, because that fiberglass tape that's sort of meshy looking does its best to span the crack, spread the surface over it, and makes it adhere much better than you would with a paper tape or no tape at all. And that should give you a much longer time. All right, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Don't forget, you can post your questions online, just like John did, who writes, I have a leak from my ceiling in my hallway below a rusted air duct. I had the rusted duct removed and replaced. Then just a couple of months ago, the drip started again, just as it did before. What do you suggest? You know, from this description, Leslie, it seems to fit the pattern of a condensation leak that's caused simply by the warm, humid air striking that cold air conditioning duct. You know, it doesn't always happen, but given that it's been such an extraordinarily warm summer, it's happening a lot. So I think it's surprising, folks. What you need to do here, John, is you need to get up in that attic space right above the ceiling and insulate those ducts. I would insulate all the ducts, make sure that they are completely surrounded by insulation because there, if you do that... You're not going to have that warm air striking the cold surface. You're not going to get the condensation, and you're not going to get the leak. All right. I hope that helps, John. Good luck with it. Well, for all the cutting-edge design ideas out there, most of us still follow some unwritten design rules. You know, those things that someone at some point decided we should never, ever do. Well, sometimes breaking the rules is a necessity. Leslie's got ideas for shaking up that status quo and making some big, bold design statements in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people sort of get stuck on these old design rules. They're like, oh, well, my parents did it, so I should do it also. But that's not true. You've got to break these rules sometimes. And here's a good one. Neutral colors. you got to use them in small spaces. Only neutral. Even if bold colors can make a space seem smaller at times, the illusion of having a bright, bold color in a small room or even like a bright, bold wall covering in a small space is outstanding and definitely creates a room that's eye-catching and interesting and sort of becomes a showpiece. So there's ways to have fun in those smaller spaces. Now, somewhere, somebody said, your master bedroom has got to be a serious space. Well, get rid of that rule, too. Fun decor can give you something exciting and inspiring to wake up to, and then it brings out the kid in all of us. So I'm not saying go cutesy, but have fun. Be playful. Use color. Use interesting textures. Do something that seems a little bit out of the ordinary to make it happen. 
have some fun. Now, when it comes to hanging artwork, are you like, oh, I got to hang it at eye level? Well, think again. You can lean a frame or a canvas of the right size or even smaller, sort of staggered heights on the floor. And that gives you sort of an art studio vibe. And then really play around with the different heights, different types of images, and sort of layer this in certain areas of the space. And that's super eye-catching and interesting. And who said chairs have to match? I mean, everybody loved the show Friends, and I don't think they ever had a chair that matched. So you can mismatch chairs in dining rooms. You can do a bench on one side and matching chairs on the other. You can mismatch chairs in a seated room. Maybe do the same frame with different fabrics. There's so many great ways to mix and match that I don't want you to be afraid. Definitely try to do some of these fun things. And if you're too nervous to actually just do it to start, look at some pictures online, cut things out, put them together with one another, get fabric swatches, get paint swatches until you feel that comfort level and then go for it. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the programs, kitchens are the one place in the house where most of us spend a lot of time. And if you've ever felt like kitchen cabinets are dated, drab, and dull, it might not always be your favorite room. The good news is there are options for getting a new look without spending a lot of money. Kitchen cabinets can be replaced, refaced, or just refinished. We'll sort out the best options for your situation on the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Melissa Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit.